This is Curated Chill, the Aspire Design and Home Podcast. I'm Josh Cooperman, Director of Broadcast Media for Hudson One Media, and today we have a conversation recorded live from Design Chicago. Yes, recorded in front of a live audience. I cannot tell you how great it felt to be back. For those who have never been to Design Chicago, a moment about what you're missing. The Midwest's largest residential design conference at one of the most exquisite industry buildings, the Mart. If you didn't make it this year, make sure not to miss the next one. This was a really fun conversation you're about to hear about crafting tranquil design in the home. And what's more important than that right now, mind, body, and soul have an inherent connection with habitat. Balancing function and expression in homes can create sacred spaces. But achieving that idea can be frustrating and difficult to obtain. Many design elements can be a pleasurable and impactful experience for designers and homeowners aspiring to enable tranquility in the home. This is an exploration into these ideas, hosted by yours truly, and featuring interior designer Amber Golub and Vika Stone marketing director Louis Andrade. We explore how to utilize color, material, light, and other factors in design that foster tranquility and relaxation. Thank you for joining us for today's talk. Uh, welcome to Vico Stone Shared Space. We share a space here with New Style Cabinets, and they've been gracious enough to let us borrow their wonderful um, kitchen install here. Um, if you've never been to this showroom, uh, Vico Stone is a quartz, uh, quartz stone manufacturer, so we offer over 100 colors, and you can see them all lined up in the back right here. So after the talk, please feel free to hang out, uh, take some free samples, and take a goodie bag. Um, uh, I'd like to thank Josh uh, Cooperman and Amber Golob for joining us for this discussion today. We're going to talk about tranquility in the home, which after uh, the past year and a half to two years, I'm sure we could all uh, learn from. Um, you want to do some introductions now? Yeah, that'd be great. So my name is Josh Cooperman. I'm the director of broadcast media for Hudson One Media. Um, we are Aspire Design at Home and Gallery Magazine. Thank you all for, for coming here. You know, it's funny. I did um, I did my first panel at Design Chicago yesterday, and it just I just sort of had to take a minute at the start of this thing to to just sort of take it in and, and realize that for the first time in two years, eighteen months, I'm back in front of real people. And it feels really good, and I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you made the time to come out today. I also kind of realized that in preparation for this panel, Tranquility in the Home, I can't really think of many other purposes that are more important to be talking about right now. If you're in design, if you are designers, you are stretched thin. Um, you're working harder than you ever had to work before, doing things that you never really had to focus on before, like specifying and respecifying and respecifying and trying to find out where your product is and over what you know what ocean the ship is parked in. Um, in any case, I think that tranquility in the home is is a topic that we're going to be talking about more and more over time. So that's really what we're talking about today is finding tranquility in you know, through design and through your talents and your skills. Our hope is that you leave here with at least one thing, a new idea, a new resource, um, some new concepts in design that you can utilize in your practice and help you do your best work. With that, 
um, I wanted to let everyone sort of introduce themselves, and I, w I will start with Amber. All right. My name is Amber Golob. I'm the principal of Amber Golob Interiors. Um, I've been doing this business for 17 years after being a CPA, which was not the right fit for me. Um, I definitely have a client-centered approach to my design, and I think that lends itself well into you know, finding each client's tranquility because that can mean different things to different clients. Uh, I really rely heavily on my interview process to do that and really understand um, what that means to each person. Um, within the project. So I'm excited to share some of those tips with you guys today. My name is Luis Andrade. Um, I'm the marketing manager for Vico Stone USA. Um, I've been the marketing manager here for four and a half years now, uh, and I'm based out of Dallas. Um, I work uh, out of the Dallas location with our showroom team, uh, where I uh, talk directly with homeowners and fabricators, dealers and builders, uh, and designers. Um, about our products. Uh, so even though I'm not from the industry for more than uh, four and a half years, uh, I have a pretty good understanding of uh, what homeowners are looking for, what designers uh, need help with when they're looking for surfacing materials, um, and in general, what color and surfaces can do to bring tranquility in the home. So really excited to hear uh, from our other two panelists and um, I look forward to the discussion. Thank you. So I, I I thought a great place to start would be by telling you that I absolutely love design and architecture. And that would be my career if I had the skill to do it. But I don't, so I do the next best thing and I talk to those who do. And with that, one of the things that I've learned is that a great designer spends a lot of time talking to the client. and. I want you to touch on this sort of hearing what the client says and then trying to interpret what the client means. Yeah. And I think when it comes to wellness and tranquility, I think they know what they think they want, they just don't know how to get there and that's one of the true values of a designer. Mm -hmm. Where do you start? I start from the initial phone call, the screening phone call, understanding a little bit about the client, their family, but it really gets into it when I'm on site with them and a couple of I don't know if they're tricks I use, is I, I look a lot at their current home if possible. Now sometimes they'll be changing what they want in their new home or in their remodel, but what they say and what their house is can give you a lot of hints as to what they really mean. The other thing I've learned is that you have to have visuals, which I'm sure you guys all have in your process, but they need to go on house, they need to pin, they need to look at publications because they're saying one thing, but they don't have the technical terms, potentially, to really tell you what they're seeing. Um, you know, coming to the mart and walking around helps as well. And then the last thing I do is, I watch a lot of body language during the selection process. So, uh, I don't know if that's a, a learned skill or just something I have inherently, but I can tell when I put a material out if someone is excited or if someone is a bit guarded just by the way their body moves or what you can see of their face does. Um, and then I help them because they can be scared to tell you, right? They, they think as architects and designers that we might think we're right. Um, and so I'll say things like, I noticed when I put that out, you got excited or I'm noticing your hesitation. What are you not liking about this material? And so I guess I'm a little bit of an investigator um, in that regard gets to the right place. And transitioning from there, I, th I think materials are critically important. 
obviously to get the job done, but also because it's one thing to look at Pinterest and the internet and to get an idea and say, That's, this looks beautiful, but you're not there. And you don't know how it functions. And you don't know how, it, even if it would function for that family, you don't necessarily know how it would function for you. When it comes to materials, l let's talk about, you know, we were talking a little bit before about, it, it's not just the material itself. I, I think the hygienic qualities of a material, but smooth versus textured. Talk about what the options are and sort of where the R&D in that comes from and, and how the showroom works with designers to help make their clients' reality uh, dreams become a reality? Yeah, I think that's a, a great question because most homeowners start uh, on their phone, on house or on Instagram um, or anywhere really online, um, and they start picking ideas and pinning uh, to their boards, and that's what they come into our showroom with. Uh, and they probably go to their cabinet maker the same way with uh, a bunch of ideas already in hand. Um, once they show up and actually touch the stone or touch the wooden cabinets or touch the hardware that, that they're going to be touching for you know, the next 10, 20 years, it brings in a whole other element of the materials you're choosing and the entire process. It makes it feel very real because something like stone uh, is super dense, has a lot of weight, and when you touch it, you can really feel, you can almost feel the gravity pulling, into, uh, pulling you into it because, um, because of the density in it. So... I think once they get in the showroom and they see how a color on a stone looks so much different from what it does on an Instagram feed, um, the sparks start to fly in their creativity. They can now really think about what this stone looks like with a paint chip that, that they brought in or um, you know, a, a piece of hardware that they brought in. Um, so. When people start touching our stone uh, and they you know, look at something like most of our surfaces come in polished finish, um, that's usually the standard. It's very easy to clean, it's super sleek and modern, um, and it's very elegant. However, some people might want a little bit more of an organic feel, so we offer a matte finish, which we call a hone finish, and something with a little bit of texture, which we call a leather. And although those might grow, uh, those might be subject to a little bit of a patina over time, especially if it's not cared after. Um, every single day. Um, some people want that. Some people enjoy that kind of feeling where it feels like not so sterile and static. Um, it almost feels like a, a, a living thing in your home. So um, I think once someone gets in a, in a showroom space or in a space with the designer where they actually have things in their hand that are going to go in their home, um, it can go a long way to uh, envision what, can, what their kitchen or bath or any other space can be like. Quick show of hands, how many designers do we have in here? Awesome. Okay, the majority. So, I asked because you have probably all experienced this or something like it when you say, when a client says to you, I want my home to be tranquil. And then you respond, as good designers do, what does that mean to you? And then you get to see that vacant look of... I've, like you're speaking a foreign language, like I have no idea what you're asking me, right? Tranquil, tranquility covers so much, as we were talking about before. It's, it's material, it's design, it's color, it's texture, it's feel, it's scent, it's all these things, right? So when you see that vacant look 
in their eyes and they have no idea what you just asked them. How do you drill down your process? How do you drill down to get what you want and, and understand what the definition of tranquility is to that particular client? I start giving concrete examples of spaces either from those visuals they're showing me. Um, so for instance, I may say, too many people feeling tranquil may mean a lot of neutrals. And bringing in interest through laying, layering texture or different types of materials and keeping your color pops to your more easily changeable out items like art or furniture. Is that what that means to you? And they, then they start to learn your verbiage pretty quickly and are able to come back at you. Um, that, that's what I would usually do. You know, in another way, I, if that, they still give me the blank look, I, I may say if you're a person who loves color, then we can use a color and use different saturations and light and dark versions of it in one room to create calm. Does that more speak to you? Um, and once you're, you put those, those terms in their mouth, they're, they're typically better able to communicate with you. And then the next step is that when Amber comes to you, Louie, and comes into the showroom and says, okay, so here's what my client, here's what Tranquil means to them. I imagine, too, you're thinking through all of the different options that you have and say like tranquil, wellness. Because wellness, I mean, let's, let's be honest, too. Wellness is, is the new buzzword. You're going to be hearing about wellness for the next five years at least because everyone's starting to think about off-gassing. And we're all thinking about things that we never really thought about before because we could always leave the house and go someplace else. And because everybody was in the same boat, now they're asking questions. Does, does this off-gas? And does this, you know, where does this come from? They're, we want more provenance in the, in the material. Tell me how the material was made. Tell me, why did you name it that? Why? I mean, what does that matter? It matters. They want to know because they want to tell their friends, well, this, how do you work with designers to help them craft the narrative back to their clients to speak to what their clients are actually looking for? Yeah, well, it's always super helpful when uh, we have designers who um, are able to do the investigation, kind of the prep work uh, with their clients before uh, coming into the showroom because uh, when you're dealing with something uh, like a manufactured stone, an engineered stone, um, you, you can get in the weeds when someone's not familiar with it about the technology, about the performance factors, about how it compares to natural materials, all that stuff. So you really want the experience in the showroom to be the fun part. You know, you've already prepared... Um, you've already been at least preliminary prepared, your homeowner, uh, about the benefits of engineered stone versus you know, maintaining a natural stone with a regular sealing and polishing regimen. Um, now is the fun part where you get, go in and get to see the hundreds of colors and you really get to pick out what's tranquil to you. And I think just very quickly, I do think tranquility is a very subjective experience because what's tranquil for someone else, or what's tranquil for one person uh, neutral colors might not be tranquil for, for the next homeowner. So that uh, prior, prior work done by the designer goes a long way to prepare someone for when they see that super extravagant, you know, quartzite look um, that has a bunch of different patterns going on versus the plain, you know, calming uh, cream tone stone. Um, it, it helps prepare them for, uh, you know, where to, where, the, where to take them in the showroom and where the discussion can lead on, you know, why this one or why this one compared to what we've already discussed, as in, as in the designer and the homeowners already discussed. I'd also say, um, I'm sure you guys have all experienced this, 
giving your client that information first and then having the showroom contact or vendor being able to repeat what you've already educated them on is priceless. So, you know, if you're if you're headed to Vico Stone and you know something about their product and you've talked to your client about it and then they hear, you know, you repeat the same information, it makes them feel good. Like, yeah. you know, like, oh, I, I've heard this twice. It's almost like marketing, right? They've now heard it twice and they're repeating that information can help someone navigate what is a huge marketplace for a, for a residential client and they don't understand what's out there. Um, so that that banking off each other, I use a lot, and I'll even use that in the way I communicate at the showroom. I'll say, "Hey, Louie, isn't that right about da 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 da?" And then usually, even if I haven't pre-met the vendor, they'll be like, "Yeah, that is da 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 da," and that makes the client feel good. I mean, especially stone is a is a large budget item for them, and they want, and it's not something that's you know readily and easily changeable. So. Yeah, I think a good relationship with your materials vendor is very important. Um, obviously, the material vendor would love to hear from you whenever they can, uh, so don't be afraid to, to uh, hit them up uh, whenever you can. Um, but that prior relationship, that prior kind of discussion of you know what what's important to a designer when they bring a client in uh, helps uh, the material rep a long way once they welcome you in because... I personally, when I like to welcome uh, designers and, and their clients into our showroom, I like to take a back seat. I let the designer you know, run the show, and I make sure not to step on uh, her or his toes, especially if it comes to, like, you know, we're looking at something very expensive versus something very entry level. I let the designer run with it, um, and I just am there to answer any specific questions if they need support. So don't be afraid to reach out to your material rep uh, for that support. I think sometimes, because we're in the industry, we forget what the experience is like. And we're going so fast, we're doing so many things. I think that we forget about the experience for the clients themselves. And stone and, and surfaces are such a large part of the budget that we also forget that they're doing six other rooms and they're looking at appliances, and they're looking at other flooring, and they're looking at furnishings, and they're looking at lighting, and they're in their mind they're calculating all of the expenses. I can't think of many things that are less tranquil than that whole experience. And I would, I, I would assert that it's, it's hard to connect with one's definition of tranquility when you're in a completely untranquil environment, right? So. How can we better speak to that and work with our partners and talk about things, you know, maybe we address things in advance and do you like working with the fabricator and coming up with different techniques and materials and, and ways of forming the materials that maybe they hadn't thought about before but speaks to it so they don't have to think about it and answer it. How do you do that? Well, for sure, we, we, in the initial meetings, help the client understand the timeline of their project. So they need to be able to pick certain things at certain times and not feel overwhelmed. And I'm sure you guys all have processes for that as well. So, so letting a client concentrate on just that surface at that time or just the surface and the couple finishes that go with it helps them not worry about the whole project at once because that's our job. Um, but they do need reminding of that because they will inevitably start worrying about a hundred things. So I think a lot of ways design, being a designer has changed. I think 
you know, 10, 20 years ago, I was bringing product that the client hadn't seen before and didn't know about. There are oftentimes with the internet now where I'm bringing a client, they already found that in some sort of search or at least something close to it. And I am feeling now definitely more, I'm a curator, right? Um, and I'm their educator. I'm their educator and their curator. And having me along and having you guys along provides a lot of that tranquility because typically people are thankful they're not going it alone. It kind of happens naturally, I think. Yeah, Louis, thoughts? Yeah, I think, um, man, it's great to hear that kind of process because we take for granted as, you know, the very end of the specification process for countertop surfaces, um, how much legwork is put in by designers. I mean, to manage a client and to manage their expectations, their timeline, I mean, you're really pulling everything all together all at once. And we all we have to do is, uh, you know, dunk it. Y'all are, are alley-ooping, <laughs> uh, giving us alley-ooping, and we just got to dunk it. Um, so it's, I know, I know when uh, homeowners come in, especially lately, with everything going on, and they're so stressed out about timelines and um, other vendors and whatever it is in the process, um, it's, it's really great to hear that designers are still kind of in the middle of everything, making sure everything's on track. So let's talk about the fourth leg of the chair. You've got homeowner, material vendor, designer, advocator. And it's, it's really funny because if anyone's experienced this, you probably know where I'm going. You will have the conversation, and we just talked about this, I love this, you're like, and Louie, isn't it right that this and this and that? You'll say that in front of Louie, and it's like, yeah, that's absolutely right, and we can do this and this. You say that in front of the fabricator, they're like, no, it doesn't do that, and then it just, right? Yeah. So, I think it's also a matter of speaking the right language with the person to whom you're speaking. Mm -hmm. So you have three different languages you're speaking. You're speaking to the client one way, the material vendor another, and the fabricator another. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm curious as to your process with regard to how, how you communicate with your fabricators to both get everything you can out of them. And sometimes a fabricator will come to you with an idea that you've never even thought of before. How do you, how do you get the best out of your fabricators? Well, I know that my approach is different than other people's approaches because I've heard it from fabricators and contractors. But I'm definitely like you win more, more bees with honey. Is that it? Yeah, that is. But I am persistent. So um, that's how I work with all trades, including fabricators. I guess I'm respectful of their expertise, which typically makes them feel good about themselves. So it's a kind of a lot of psychology. Um, but if you know, I think you guys know you get your no, your no, your no people and your yes people, right? There's some people you want to do something custom, and they're like, no, 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 I can't do that. It's too hard. And there's other people where you say I want to do something custom, and they're excited about collaborating with you on that. So you sort of have to have a way to work with both those kinds because you can't always control who the fabricator is on a project. Um, so I make them feel important. I'm really nice to them, and I don't give up. Um, and I am open to their ideas. Um, I also tend to like blame the client. So I don't know if you guys do this, but like I would never make you miter this inch and a half piece of stone because I know how hard that is. But my client is insisting, so could you please help me with a solution? And typically that puts it in like, they start to kind of have empathy for you, <laughs> which really helps. And then you can begin to collaborate. So I guess it's a lot of psychology. 
Um, but really, really nice, really, really respectful, and very, very persistent is the key. Do you also lean in on your material vendors to come into that conversation? And Louis, do you have conversations with the, do the do designers bring you in on conversations with the fabricators? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because we deal directly with the fabricators, they're the ones picking up the material directly from us. Um, they, they always bring, if it has to be a round table with designer, fabricator, manufacturer, rep, and homeowner, we'll make it happen in our showroom. Uh, and I'm sure every, every vendor's like that because it's very important that everyone's on the same page before anything's cut. You know, everyone has to be on the same page before um, anything's promised to the homeowner that can't be done. So I think it goes a long way to lean on your fabricator a little bit and, and lean on their expertise if they say something like, you know, it might be risky to do this, this sort of installation or this kind of finish or whatever it is. Um, fabricators work with material every day and in some instances they may know more about the stone and how it reacts or how it acts and performs in a home more so than your manufacturer rep um, because they're the front line for any sort of uh, issues down the road because the homeowner has their contact information. Homeowner doesn't have the manufacturer rep's contact information. They just have the manufacturer rep's uh, you know, corporate website or whatever it is. Um, so uh, we get pulled into those conversations with fabricators quite a bit. Um, however, I wouldn't, I wouldn't shy away from, as a designer, uh, leaning very heavily on, on your fabricator directly and if, if need be, bring in your manufacturer rep, but your fabricator is a really a big wealth of a resource. I, I think that's incredibly helpful. The next thing I wanted to sort of go into, because I think it's really important for right now, I, I don't think it's going to last forever, but it is something that you have to think about right now, is the supply chain pain that everybody's feeling right now. And I'm, I'm curious, I just again, show of hands, the, the designers in the room, how many of you have amended your contracts to include a two-week clause on signature for work? Nobody. So if they don't sign within two weeks, it's going to get repriced. Nobody here has, has changed their, their contract to that effect? I, I, I've not changed my contract, but that comes in on my invoicing and purchasing agreement case by case that both stock and price are not guaranteed for more than 10 days. Yeah. So Actually, stock is not guaranteed at all, like past a minute. Like either we got this and I got it or sorry, we'll find another. Yeah. I think this is really important and it's definitely something for you to consider in, in your practice right now. Do me a favor, back up a little bit mm -hmm. and start with that idea again because there's been a lot of confusion. And, and look, this, this goes back to tranquility, right? I would argue, and I think you all know this, like if, if you're not in a tranquil place trying to work with your clients as, as they're trying to describe their needs and desires to you, I think there's a disconnect. I don't think it's possible if you're not comfortable doing, because if you're thinking, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be in a terrible place on this deal if, if prices go up and I've already committed right? Mm -hmm. How do you take the current situation with supply chain and whether or not if they don't sign it in a certain amount of time, you're going to get, it's going to get repriced on you or saying to a client, look, this isn't available. They've raised the price or the price has gone up. It's a, it's a fact and it's happening more and more. Let's respecify. Let's look at a different material that maybe Ruby has in stock currently. How do you do that? 
it's all about managing expectations, which I'm sure you guys know. The problem lately is those expectations as far as what the market can do changes all the time. Um, by and large, people have been patient and forgiving, I think, as us as designers understand the new normal as far as product availability. But I am sensing that their patience is waning, so I think that's something to look out for. A lot of my clients right now have mentioned they're tired of hearing from the contractor or me or anybody. Like, they don't even want to hear the word COVID. Don't tell me it's because of COVID. You know, like, I think they're now looking to us to figure that out. And so I don't know if I have the answer on how to figure that out, but I do think that we all need to do a bit of homework to um, master the new market, even though it's ever-changing, because you becoming an expert on how to deal with this situation is going to have to be part of your skill set. And I'm, I think it's kind of evolving. So I don't know if I fully answered your question, but I think it deserves some heavy thought by everybody. Yeah. No, I think that was great. And I, and I also think that it speaks to the topic that we're discussing today because I think you have a resource, Vicastone, Louie, to go in and say, hey, listen, do you have this in stock? Will you have it in stock in three weeks from now? If you don't, can you give me two or three other options? Can I come in and grab a sample of these two or three, take it back to the client, and maybe say to the client, hey, listen, if you want to make the decision now, we can pull the trigger and we can get this. If you don't, this may not be available. This may have a price increase. These are two or three options that will be available. Let's look at respecifying if we need to. Is that something that you've been doing with designers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we want to make the entire process as as relaxed and calm and um, as, as tailored to the homeowner's needs as possible. So uh, we do our best to um, to have be as transparent as possible about our inventory. Um, here in Chicago, for example, our Bentonville Warehouse uh, services most of our Midwest distributors. Um, and we've been very lucky to have a great operations team that front loads quite a bit. Um, and a great um, uh, sales representative team that informs our designers and fabricators. Um, but, I mean, that whole process, every single part of the process, I think is going to stick with the homeowner when they're in their finished space and they think about, you know, their, how it came to be. So if they have any PTSD left over from, you know, the back and forth on getting that stone or getting that cabinetry uh, on time or whatever kind of hassle they had to do throughout the entire process, they're going to hold that grudge when they're sitting there looking at their, their kitchen island. They're going to remember that. Uh, but they're also going to remember that uh, the nice designer that helped them out uh, when everything seemed, when everyone else in the industry or everyone else uh, helping them on their home uh, seemed to not care or not able to help. So a little bit goes a long way to um, instill that tranquility in someone's home, even in the selection process. Amber, I'm curious, in regard to sort of the, the theme here of, of wellness and tranquility, and by the way, I feel like wellness and tranquility are inextricably tied because there are so many, there's so, such commonality between the two. What, what are clients asking you for now in that regard that maybe they weren't asking you for two years ago? I think the biggest change has been clients thinking about the functionality of their layouts or what they want more because they were stuck in their home for so long. And I think in the past, a lot of clients, not all, may have been thinking more maybe aesthetics. 
And not that you can't marry those two things, but I certainly have had clients who wouldn't have cared so much about, you know, how the walk flow was by the giant island they wanted until they were stuck at home with their family of five and realized it's sort of a, a point of everyone running into each other. So I think they've all taken stock of tranquility. Yes, it's color, it's material, but it's also making sure that their home functions for them and their family, and they're willing to give that a little more thought than before, um, which I've actually appreciated. I think that's a good change for designers coming out of the situation. And Louis, from a product standpoint, R&D, how has... Stone changed, what are you looking at now? Are there things that you are doing to the material now as a result of what designers have been telling you they want on, on behalf of their clients? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I think most designers since uh, move away from white and gray, uh, away from cold colors into nor- uh, warmer colors. And that trend has been coming for a few years, uh, maybe even more than a few years. Um, but like COVID did to everything, it kind of sped up. That, that desire to have warmth back in your home, to have uh, a little bit of coziness uh, in spaces, especially gathering spaces like kitchens, um, where you want to um, you know, bring family together and, and feel good uh, and, and celebrate. Um, so Vico Stone specifically, uh, and I'm sure other material uh, manufacturers as well, but we have started to bring in more warm tones in our, in our colors. So for example, our two newest colors, Alessandria, and Mysterio Gold. They're white stones, they're marble looks. However, the vein pattern uh, has become, or the vein pattern is warm, a little bit of amber, a little bit of copper in there. Uh, and it's been very well received by both designers and homeowners that are um, you know, tired of looking at uh, Apple Store lookalike kitchens that are just white and gray. Um, they want a little bit of warmth and they've been very receptive to our newer colors that bring in that warmth. And I feel like um, in general, uh, I hear that from homeowners quite a bit, uh, that um, they hope that their materials and uh, their vendors are able to offer something different than what they were used to before COVID, but also maybe for the last 10, 15 years. I wanted to take this opportunity to see if anyone has any questions. And while you're thinking about the question, um, it's not just about how to make it look pretty or how to put tranquility into the look of the space. It, your business is changing. Your business is changing in real time. You have to do more than you used to do. Just, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, if you're respecifying, whereas you didn't have to do that two years ago, um, less time doing that is also less time designing or doing something that, that you do for fun. With that, does, does anyone have any questions, comments, maybe a sarcastic remark, anything? Yeah? Well, just leading into that a little bit more, I want to find out how you go about that because unless you're charging hourly, but like when you have to go back to the design board and re-specify and re-specify and sometimes things are just out of your control. Um, so like for me, I usually just charge a flat design fee, but I'm finding that I'm spending so much time doing someone's project when it's like I can be doing other things. So what have you experienced with that? So I definitely charge hourly, but I provide a really accurate estimate of what those hours are going to potentially be. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have started including cushion for reselecting, so that changed over the course of the past couple of years, or really year when stuff got hard to find. Um, So I think under a flat fee model, you know, 
could just be a little addendum. Like this allows so many reselections for stock issues out of designer's control, but after that, hourly fee may apply, may get, be a good short-term solution to that. I don't know how else how else you'd cover that. It is so unpredictable right now. We have no idea which things are even going to be hard that we're going to have to respecify. I mean, appliances and plumbing, special finished plumbing has been very difficult. Stone has been okay, you know, so we don't know how that's going to flip over the next year. You have to, I think you have to protect yourself somehow. That's great. That, that answered the question for you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did yeah. have another follow-up for some clients to understand that they're paying a large price for something they may not see for six to nine to ten plus months. So I think that's super challenging. I think that we have to lean back on our role as educator. Uh, I think we have to separate ourselves a little bit. We're their guide. We are not necessarily the vendor. And so I know that gets tricky if you're purchasing the material because you ultimately are the vendor, but you're not the manufacturer. I think we need to manage people's expectations of where they're guide through this crazy time. And I think if you've built that trust with them, then it ultimately becomes their decision. Either you want this and are willing to pay that, or you don't, and I'll find you something else. Um, then you have to have that little bit of extra billing to find that other thing. Um, but, you know, I think... You know, we, my firm took a week to just be like, how do we have to change our processes now with the supply chain situation? And I think it's something everybody should do to really just take some time, even though it's hard, away from clients to educate yourself on what your process is going to be um, so that you don't feel frustrated. And hopefully you, you realize that this conversation was about tranquility, definitely in design but also your tranquility as well. So, um, first of all, thank you both for the time today. This was great, this was fantastic. Thank you for having us. Um, oh, wait, wait, we got one more question. Yes, please. I just wanted to tell you about our process. So, yeah. um, our cabinet line is six weeks. It went up to 22 Yeah. yeah. running spreadsheet of every job, every lead time, 
because I found that contractors aren't babysitting that as much as I would need them to. And it's, it's become, and that's a person I hired to literally babysit lead times, back orders. It's a whole new role now where I could kind of, we could do that ourselves before it's impossible. So, you know, that back office stuff's going to need to happen to keep up with the crazy world. It sets the expectation of the client too, right? Yeah. Yeah. You might get this and you might not. I just want to Yeah. And, um, so you're finished with the kitchen and you don't hear your I think the biggest challenge is that in the past, when a vendor told you a lead time, it was that was it, even if it was long. Um, and we've all experienced, they tell you a lead time and that time comes and then they add on three more months and no one can tell you why. And that's what frustrates the client the most. And it, now we know, I mean, the answer is it's sitting in the ocean on somewhere. But like, <laughs> yeah. for a while, we didn't even know really what to tell them because we were all used to getting an answer from our vendor. Even if it was bad news, we had news. So the idea that we can order something and it may never come, that is the toughest one to overcome right now. Yeah, absolutely true. And I, I think the last thing that I could say, and I, I think you both, both would probably agree, is that staying nimble, staying flexible, Staying on top of the information and knowing what's what um, can definitely help you and, and find your tranquility as well as that of your clients. So thank you all for taking the time to do this. I just want to point out one thing. Um, again, I'm the director of broadcast media for Hudson Hudson One Media, um, Aspire Design at Home, Gallery Magazine. Please make sure and get a copy if you haven't already. And also, um, we are launching our brand new podcast, Curated Chill, the Aspire Design at Home podcast of which we're recording this panel and we're gonna broadcast it back. So if you wanna if you wanna hear this conversation again, we'll have it. Make sure you download the podcast. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your time here at Design Chicago. Thank you for coming out. Appreciate it. Thank you, Amber and Lewis for participating and Vicastone for presenting this conversation. Thank you, Design Chicago and the Mart for having us out. What an amazing experience. And thank you to all the designers, architects, and other creatives for coming out and sharing of yourselves at this amazing event. Thank you for listening to the show. Make sure you are subscribing to the podcast so you never miss a single episode of The Curated Chill. Listen, subscribe, and come back to chill. Chill.